1: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.
2: Story time.
3: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
1: and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.
2: I was a part of Navy SEAL team for as long as I remember. Still, when it comes to my crazy missions, I have one to share. So, the mission had taken us deep into the hostile territory, where danger lurked in every shadow. Our objective was clear, rescue a kidnapped scientist from an abandoned facility with a grim history. Little did we know, the labyrinthine corridors of this place held not only human threats but a supernatural presence eager to ensnare us in its dark clutches. As we navigated through the decrepit halls, the air thick with tension, The stench of abandonment clung to every corner. Our footsteps echoed through the desolate facility, a haunting symphony of our uncertainty. The scientists' life depended on our success, but something far more sinister awaited us in the depths. It was in the bowels of this forsaken facility that we encountered the unknown predator. About seven feet tall, its muscular frame and large head with long, wild hair gave it an otherworldly appearance. Yellow eyes, almost glowing in the dark, stared at us with an unsettling curiosity. It stood there, unmoving, as if assessing us. We cautiously continued our mission, keeping a watchful eye on the mysterious creature. It didn't seem aggressive, but an eerie tension hung in the air. Then, without warning, it attacked. The battle erupted in chaos, the creature moving with an uncanny speed and strength. Its sharp teeth flashed in the dim light as it lunged at us, catching us off guard. Our training kicked in, and we fought fiercely for our lives against this supernatural adversary. Bullets pierced the air, and the creature's roars echoed through the labyrinth. It was a battle of survival against both the paranormal and the physical, each member of the team pushing themselves to the limits. In the end, we managed to overcome the creature, but the victory was short-lived. As we called for extraction, our relief turned to dread. Through the facility's shattered windows, we saw an approaching enemy army, their silhouettes dark against the moonlit horizon. There was no time to celebrate our triumph over the thing, a greater threat loomed. Swiftly, we made the decision to retreat, leaving the haunted facility behind. We slipped away into the night, shadows merging with shadows, and the encounter with the unknown predator became a secret etched into the memories of the silent warriors. We never spoke of it again, and the story of that night remained buried in the classified pages of our missions, a chilling chapter in the unsung stories of the Navy Seals. It was May. Two friends and I were up in the hills northwest of Yamhill, Oregon, late in the evening, around 10:30 p.m. We heard the scream, a very low, very long howl. Not a coyote, bear, or cougar. We had heard all of them before. This was nothing like anything I had ever heard. I still remember thinking to myself, "How in the hell can something make such a low howl?" It scared us at first, but it sounded like it was far away, maybe a mile or so. We were drinking a little beer, so after a while, we relaxed and forgot about it. It must have been about a half hour later when we heard it again. I swear it had to be within 30 yards of us. The same loud, low howl, but much closer. And it sounded pissed. I could feel the sound vibrations bouncing off the back of my neck. The hair stood up on the back of all our necks. All of us turned white as hell, and our jaws dropped past our knees. The howl seemed to say get out. Which is exactly what we did. I just looked at the two other guys and said, let's get the s out of here. We did not see anything but felt the presence. I grew up within 10 miles of that spot. I had never heard that sound before or since, except on a television show that reported a Bigfoot sighting. A guy in Idaho caught one on video, at least it looked like one, but when I saw the video, I heard that scream again. The guy taking the video threw the camera in the ditch and hid. It was the same scream, the only other time that I have ever heard it. It was exactly the same scream. I saw this video on a new show, something like Real TV while in Fairfax, Virginia, in 1992 or 1993. I do not know exactly what it is that we heard, but I know what I think it was, Bigfoot. That is my story, and I have two witnesses to back me up. my wife and I were driving back to our cabin we have in the north woods, after visiting friends in town. It was a hot, muggy, summer night, but it was cooling down fast, which made it start to get foggy. The road went about a half mile, through a spruce bog, then up a hill, to where a farm field was, on the right. Hardwoods were on the left. I was in my mid-fifties at the time and did not believe in things like what we were about to see. Out of the fog, from the farm field, going from right to left, came a creature. The creature was about 8 to 10 feet off the ground. The best way to describe what we saw would be to say, it looked like a person who had jumped off a trampoline and took off with their arms stretched out, in front of them, with their legs bent. It was upright however and was covered all over with fur. It was not a coyote or wolf, but looked like a cross between a man and some kind of canine. It had pointy ears and a long snout. My wife later said the head reminded her of the ancient Egyptian god, with a dog head, but furry. It landed flat on its feet, directly in front of my wife's van, no more than 20 feet away. The craziest thing is, it landed and jumped like a kangaroo, flying back off, into the fog. Its arms were still sticking straight out, in front of it. It did not act or look like any canine we know of. We had been going slowly, because of the fog. As soon as she saw that thing, she stopped the van. We just looked at each other, like, did we really just see that? However, we did see it. And it still freaks us out, to this day. Another weird thing is, we both felt that it was not of this world. It did not move naturally and that was just the feeling we got. We don't tell many people about what we saw, because the people we have told don't believe or want to believe we saw what we saw. However, I did tell a good friend of mine, who didn't laugh, because he said, when he was a little kid, his father, who was a logger, used to tell him about loggers in the woods seeing dog man. I'm so glad I found this website. I see that other rational people have seen similar creatures. Like some others. I was with someone who witnessed it too. It must be really difficult for someone who sees one of these things, by themselves, to try and explain to others what they saw. In 2022, a few friends and I ventured up Quartz Creek, just outside of Merlin, Oregon, to go four-wheeling in his Jeep. It was approximately 7.30 at night and darkness was setting in. We found ourselves on a logging road high on a ridge, with an even higher ridge still above us. We stopped in an area overlooking the canyon and decided to whistle loudly over the canyon, which echoed many times before fading away. After several minutes of conversation, we were startled by a very loud whistle from the bottom of the canyon. Assuming it was someone down there messing with us, we whistled back. again. The echo reverberated for a few seconds and then ceased. After a few minutes, the same loud whistle emanated from a different area of the canyon, more to one side than from the bottom. As darkness fell and the moon rose, the ridge line loomed above us. About 20 minutes after the initial loud whistle, a third one pierced the air, this time from the top of the ridge line. Intriguingly, I turned to look and thought I could discern the outline of a figure approximately 200 yards away. I stared at it for about a minute, then turned to tell my buddy to look up the hill. When I redirected my gaze, the outline figure had vanished. I cannot explain all of this, and many years have passed since that night. However, I can affirm that the experience was real and truly unnerving. I haven't revisited Quartz Creek since then but I'm open to the idea of checking it out sometime. My sighting occurred sometime in the winter of 1992, when I was 10 years old. I have always been an insomniac and would often be up in the middle of the night this was the case on the night in question. I was in my bedroom looking out the window on the ground floor of my childhood home. I looked across the street and my eyes landing on something that paralyzed me with fascination. Leaning against the big tree in my neighbor's yard was a massive gray, bipedal dog or wolf with huge muscular arms sniffing the air. He was just standing there, sniffing the air. The image has been burned into my mind ever since. The way the steam of his breath swirled out of his nose as he craned his neck from side to side, the way the snow stuck to his gray bristling fur, and the way his ears twitched. At first I told myself that it was just a big dog leaning on a tree, I couldn't accept what my brain was screaming to me. There was this crazy feeling I had, I don't know how to explain it, I still feel it when I think or talk about it. It deeply disturbed me and I swear it knew I was watching it through the edge of my curtain. I don't know how I know that, I just do. It never looked directly at me, it had sort of glanced in the direction of my house but I swear it knew I was watching. It didn't seem to mind. It seemed to be pleased with the the strange mixture of sinking fear, confusion, denial and awe that I was experiencing. Again, I don't know how I know that, I just do. What happened next dispelled all my denial. It sort of swung itself off the tree and instead of dropping down to all fours as one would expect of a huge dog, it remained standing on its two legs, slightly hunched, and began to walk through the deep snow in the most unnatural way. I don't even know how to describe it other than unnatural. It was just so wrong. The way it walked, for some reason was the most terrifying aspect of this whole encounter to me. It just sort of lumbered off behind the houses across the street and out of sight. I didn't speak of this encounter for nearly 20 years after it happened. I had never heard anyone else speak of it locally in Ironwood or anywhere else for that matter, and just chalked it up to another one of the absolutely insane things I have seen in my life that I never speak of and make me question my sanity. Then one night, while listening to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, he was talking about the Michigan Dog Man. My head almost exploded, I couldn't believe it. Other people had seen this thing? I finally broke my silence and told my wife about it it was sort of an epiphany i had in that moment i no longer kept my strange experiences to myself anymore i told everyone who i felt would be even slightly receptive to the idea of the paranormal about them in my mind i imagined how long i kept these strange secrets to myself for fear of being seen as a lunatic and how even i thought i was probably insane and wondered how many other people are out there walking around with similar experiences and similar self-doubt Just waiting for someone to come along and share the strange tale that allows them to give themselves permission to speak freely about the things they have kept locked inside as I had. It's shocking how many people, once you tell them a story like this, have a story of some high strangeness of their own. I am so happy that this site exists, and people like you are out there telling these strange stories and giving people the opening they need to re-examine the strangeness of their lives and the world in which they live them. It was September in central Idaho. Autumn had come to the mountains, and with it bow hunters looking for mountain goats. My cousin, let's call him Vern for anonymity's sake, is an avid hunter. He's been all over North America hunting various game. Bears in Alaska. Wild hogs in Texas. Big sheep in Wyoming. But his favorite hunting area was the Lemhi mountain range in central Idaho. Our extended family has been hunting in those mountains for generations. We know every river bottom and mountain peak like many people know their own neighborhoods. Mountain goats are a fascinating animal to hunt. They live well above the tree line in rocky environments. They are sure-footed and can climb near vertical slopes. Hunting these animals requires one to venture into these dangerous areas. You have to be mindful as you pursue an animal like that one wrong step on a rocky slope or one loose rock could mean you're not going home ever again Vern was an expert mountain hunter it's something he was born to do Vern decided to hunt in the hayden river area of the Lemus. it's a familiar spot to most locals and the area is home to plenty of mountain goats the first mile of Vern's hike was uneventful as he climbed up the canyon the air was crisp and his breath formed in great plumes as he progressed. The sun was just peeking over the mountains when Vern came to a small deer trail. He decided it might be a nice shortcut from his usual route and took it. A few hundred feet up the trail, he saw something odd pop out from behind a tree. It was a man. He was dressed in a light denim coat and jeans and was carrying a small backpack. My cousin stopped for a second to get his bearings unsure of where this guy came from the man waved at him with both arms one of them was holding an older style hunting bow acknowledging him verne waved back although the man looked to be physically fine it was clear he was emotionally distressed he yelled out something my cousin couldn't quite hear and waved his arm indicating my cousin should follow him verne didn't get any bad vibes from this man and could tell he was genuinely in need of some help he began to make his way up the canyon, following this mystery man. Vern could never gain any ground on this guy. He was always just far enough away that he couldn't talk to him. Periodically, the man would stop, turn towards him to make sure Vern was still following. Every time he looked back, Vern could see the worry in his face. My cousin did his best to remain calm and keep a smile on his face. Unsure who or what he was being led to, It was peculiar, Vern thought as he hiked. He hadn't seen any other vehicles on his drive up to the trailhead. Perhaps he came in from over another ridge? What could he possibly be leading him to? He figured one of his hunting party had been hurt and needed help. Of course, he wouldn't have had to speculate if the man would just stop and talk to him for five minutes. Vern lost sight of the guy just past a turn in the trail. The trail opened up into an incredibly steep, rocky talus slope. He looked in every direction and could not locate the man when he heard a whistle. Looking up, he saw the guy about 500 feet up the rocky slope waving at him. There was no possible way he could have gotten up that far in just the short time Vern lost sight of him. He still didn't feel any fear or weariness about this weird situation. The man was waving more frantically now practically begging Vern to follow him up the slope. With a sigh and a grunt, he started up the rocks. It was slow going. Every other step caused a mini rock slide and would cause him to continually lose his footing. Huffing and puffing on the cool, thin air, my cousin eventually made it to a small landing. It had taken him almost 45 minutes to get to that spot where he saw the man from below. There was no earthly way anyone could have done that scramble uphill any faster. Totally exhausted and out of breath, Vern sat down on the stone landing. He looked around and couldn't see the man anywhere. As he scanned his surroundings, he saw something odd poking out of a boulder about 20 feet away from him. Walking over to it, he found a weathered boot. Two boots, actually. Inside those boots, and under the boulder as well, were bones. Vern looked around once again for the man, but he never saw him again. Instead of feeling eerie or unnerving, Vern felt a sense of relief wash over him. These emotions weren't his own. What he felt seemed to come from all around him. He marked the spot with his GPS and decided to make his way down and call the authorities. The Lemhi County Sheriff's Office responded, and he led them up the canyon to the body. It took four grown men to push the boulder out of the way, and when they did, they found the skeletonized remains of a man. On the body, they found hunting equipment and some personal effects. From a credit card in the wallet, they were able to identify the man. He was a bow hunter that had gone missing almost exactly 53 years beforehand. Vern never wanted to be identified to the public or the missing hunter's family. He didn't want recognition for something like that to him, it was just one of those bizarre mountain stories. He was happy that the family got closure, even if it was half a century later. The only thing that bothered him was the man leading him up the canyon and with his strange and sudden disappearance. He had mentioned the waving man to the sheriff but was brushed off. When news reports came out announcing the discovery, several photos of the man were published, Vern was absolutely shocked when he saw them. In the photos was the man he had seen leading him up the mountain to the body. It finally made sense to him, the man's distressful look. The constant checking if Vern was following him. The sense of relief he felt when the body was discovered. That man was desperate to get home, and through Vern, he was able to be reunited with his family. My wife, Sarah and I shared a peculiar hobby, we were avid enthusiasts of Bigfoot hunting. Our weekends were often spent in the dense woods, chasing the elusive creature that many believed to be a myth. On one particular outing with our fellow enthusiasts, the Tristate Squatchers, little did we know that our quest would lead us to an encounter beyond our wildest imagination. The night was thick with the darkness of the forest, the only source of light coming from our flashlights and the occasional glow of the moon filtering through the treetops. We roamed silently, our senses heightened, searching for any signs of the elusive creature. The air was crisp, and the rustling of leaves beneath our boots was the only sound that dared to disturb the stillness. As we ventured deeper into the woods, the anticipation hung heavy in the air. Suddenly, a glint of reflective light caught my eye. Sarah and I exchanged excited glances as we realized we might be onto something. We approached cautiously, our flashlights cutting through the shadows. The gleaming eyes in the darkness stared back at us, sending shivers down our spines. I shine, a classic sign of wildlife, but this was different. It was almost otherworldly. Brimming with excitement, I decided to investigate further, cautiously moving towards the source. As I closed the distance, the woods around us seemed to hold its breath. Then, out of nowhere, a thunderous stomp echoed through the night. The ground quivered beneath us, and the air filled with tension. I motioned for the rest of the group to stay put as I scanned the area with my camera and spotlight. In the eerie glow of the spotlight, I saw nothing at first. The silence persisted until I played back the footage on my camera. There, on the screen, was an image that sent shockwaves through the group, the unmistakable form of a dog-man, a creature from folklore, captured in the fleeting seconds of that large stomp. Chris Randolph, our group leader, and the rest of the Tri-State Squatchers gathered around the camera in disbelief. The dog-man's hulking figure, half-human, half-canine, stared back at us from the screen, frozen in a moment that would forever alter our perception of the forest's secrets. The encounter with the dog-man became the talk of the town, and our little group gained unexpected notoriety. As the news spread, so did the interest of curious individuals and skeptics alike. Chris Randolph and the Tri-State Squatchers found themselves thrust into the limelight, their passion for the unknown taking on a new level of significance. Our journey into the woods that night not only provided us with evidence of the Dogman's existence but also ignited a flame of curiosity that burned brighter than ever. The mystery of the forest deepened, and our adventures with the Tri-State Squatchers continued, forever bound by the enigmatic encounter with the creature that lurked in the shadows. This sighting happened three years ago, I just discovered this subreddit a few days ago, and now feel compelled to tell this story because it was completely unlike anything I've ever seen. It was a cold night in late November in Boulder, Colorado, and me and a few friends were just driving around smoking and drinking beers. We had driven aimlessly back and forth around town just talking and enjoying ourselves. I remember prior to this I had read stories and watched videos of native elders discussing the wendigo and had interest in the subject. I remember my friend's girlfriend who we were with at the time was Native American, and I asked her if she'd heard of the wendigo and she said yes. We continued to aimlessly drive up the mountain past a place known as flagstaff up on the flat irons of Boulder. It was a deep dark wooded area far from the city that by day looks absolutely beautiful but by night has a very eerie and spooky feel to it. I've been dozens of times at night and every time I have felt a deep intuition that something evil lurks around that area especially in winter. This is a feeling I've had long before I knew of the windigo or believed in anything supernatural or spiritual. In fact, I've seen orange lights on the Flagstaff Mountains and above the Flagstaff Mountains many times and have also heard stories of orange bell-shaped lights floating around the area. We stopped at a common hiking spot in the parking spaces right in front of the trailhead, and all of a sudden I felt a surreal feeling of darkness, it felt as though something wasn't right and there was a deep feeling of mystery about the spot we were at. All my friends were talking and for some reason I began to zone out looking deep into the pines. I was staring deep into the forest and I could see in the moonlight little kids running back and forth hiding behind trees. Immediately I knew what I was seeing was something demonic, kids wouldn't be out at 3am in winter in the woods and the way they were. Just starting back and forth looked unnatural. At this point I felt almost hypnotized and kind of shook but more intrigued than anything. These kids began to start running in a circle and a kind of blurry mist started forming. Out of this mist a classic Wendigo started forming. A slender white figure with its jaw gaping open unnaturally and its long hands moving up and down doing a kind of dance while just staring at me. Both the kids and the Wendigo looked like they were fading in and out of physical reality like spirits. At the time it never heard of the black-eyed children but now I suspect that's what those kids were. I mentioned what I was seeing to my friends and they thought I was trying to F with them and both the Windigo and kids quickly were gone out of sight. It was pretty bizarre, I remember to this day the level of detail was insane so I know it wasn't my mind playing tricks on me. For context, I, female 17, have lived in my house my whole life with my two other siblings and parents. My family and I have lived in this partly rural part of the Fenton-slash-Heartland-Michigan area for a long while. We own 10 acres of land, which includes a pretty large track in our backyard to ride four-wheelers and such. Every once in a great while, it seems, we hear strange and unnerving noises when we go outside. A few years ago, my family took a walk to look at our new neighbor's house, as they were gone for the weekend and said we were welcome to check things out. On our way down our quarter-mile gravel driveway, all of us heard what I can only describe as drums and chanting? It really freaked my brother and I out, because it seemed to be a fair distance away, almost as if it had been coming from the woods in our backyard. There was a fair number of drumming sounds, and then we heard chanting. It must have been pretty far away, but the sound still carried, which made it even creepier. I've probably had this occur two to three times the whole time we've lived here, and every time it has been unsettling and felt really wrong. We would be very aware if our town had any native tribes or reservations around here, but my small, conservative hometown would not be the place to do so. I have searched high and low, but haven't been able to find anything on the internet in close areas with a similar experience. If anyone here has any information, Please feel free to share. This happened in the year 2001. I was 19 years old and living with my mom and two aunts in Miami, Florida. On this particular evening, I felt like staying home and reading a book but my mom came up with the idea to go to the beach. I said no but she insisted a lot. I even told her we didn't have clean towels to take and she said no problem, we'll just take a sheet, it's only for a short time. So my mom, two aunts, and I got in the car, and on the way to Miami beach, we stopped at a gas station. While they were filling the tank this uneasy feeling came over me and I felt like getting out of the car and walking home, but I thought there was no reason to feel like this, it was only a trip to the beach. When we got to the beach it was around 7 p.m. and we were the only people there. I put the sheet on the sand with our stuff and since only one of my aunts knows how to swim, the four of us stayed close together by the shore. While we stood there with the water barely reaching our waist this man appeared out of nowhere, black hair, dark, kind of dark olive skin, and wearing black shorts. He didn't wear any kind of jewelry or a chain. Besides feeling uncomfortable, Immediately my first thought was that he must have walked a lot because I couldn't see his car anywhere. Then I took a look at his face and his eyes were totally black. I could not see the white part. I remember I thought, what the hell is wrong with his eyes? Then he said in a very angry tone, don't any of you know how to swim? Go into the water. He kept his distance but after he said that when I looked at him again I didn't feel I was looking at a man. It was the same feeling you get when you visit the zoo and see a wolf or predator close. Two of my aunts just turned around and avoided looking at him. We stayed right where we were without moving and my mom put her arms around me and one of my aunts. I felt that he wanted us to go into the water for us to have an accident or something bad. After that, I saw him go into the water very quickly and come out. I only turned around probably less than a minute and he was gone. Now from the place I was, I could see a long distance all over the beach but he was nowhere to be seen. Since the man talked to us we were silent, but at that moment one of my aunts told me, he disappeared right? I said yes and picked up our stuff as quickly as I could, got into the car and we left. We were very tense and my aunt told me what the hell was that guy? I said, I don't know but it was bad. We were going obviously fast on the highway when all of a sudden I saw a tow truck stopped in front of us without any signs or lights and my aunt started to brake very slowly, she had an old car. I could see that truck closer and closer till we finally stopped right before hitting it. Thankfully after that, we made it home safely but when we got home I told my mother I didn't feel like going to the beach but you insisted so much that I went. Something very bad could've happened today. I had an up-close sighting with a Bigfoot in the Cascade Mountain Range near Lincoln City, Oregon on a short evening hike in the woods with my father. We first noticed a terrible stench, and then we saw two glowing red eyes peek out from the side of a massive tree. Keep in mind this is during the evening before the sun goes too far down. This glow was not a reflection. It was a penetrating stare coming from this creature. It was nearly 10 feet tall, with dark almost black hair except gray under its chin that went partially down its utterly massive chest. There may have been gray in his hand. It's hard to remember. My father always carried a firearm, whether hunting or not. I never saw him without it. The man was 6 foot 6 inches and built and wasn't scared of anything till we locked eyes with this being. It was peeking up from the trees about 30 yards in front of us. That stopped us both dead in our tracks. We were dead silent as we heard huge footfalls and tree snaps on both sides of us but father laid down his caliber 357 right then and there. He apologized to the beings and said he meant them no disrespect. Then he asked permission to leave safe and unharmed. We started to slowly back out of the oddly silent forest. We were careful to go back the way we went in. It seemed my father knew more than he wanted to admit to. Shortly after we got out of the immediate area we saw three yellow orbs of light where the beings were seen. The stench immediately went away when all three quickly moved deeper into the woods without making a sound, zipping through the trees. As we watched the lights quickly dissipate we could hear the forest sounds again and our fear then subsided. This was hard for me to wrap my young mind around. My father insisted we keep the story between us due to the stigma. We got back to the truck and hauled out of there. I lost touch with him soon after this. Hence, I never got to pick his brain for what knowledge he possessed about these beings. So first of all, my friend had recently bought a new house on Black Mountain, so me and some other friends had decided to visit. By the way, for those who don't know, Black Mountain was one of the towns in the Blue Ridge Mountains, just like any other city up in the peaks. The house though, was near the top of the mountain, in the middle of a forest. We were to stay there for a week, and everything seemed normal at first. Zack, the guy who bought the house, was going out to the town, so it was just me, and two other of my buds. But the the clicking happened. We were just watching some TV on our Samsung, but we interrupted by some strange clicking noises. At first, we didn't mind, but it got louder and louder. I stepped outside through the screen door, only to find a strange looking buck outside the porch. It looked like its mouth were melded together by skin, and it had an abnormal black spot on its back. I'd heard of mutated animals, so I wasn't bothered too much. I went back inside, and three minutes later I heard the clicking again. My two friends were sleeping, so went back into the bedroom, only to find the buck sticking its head out my open window. I closed it slowly and backed away. A few hours later, Zach came back with some pizza, and we all dined in the kitchen. I was ready to sleep early, so I went in the bedroom. About 30 minutes later, I heard yelp and went into the kitchen. My friends had backed away from the window, and we saw the buck, outside the window. It began to smell like rotting from outside, so we were pretty startled. We tried to ignore it and we went back to watching TV. Zach just remembered he had forgot his phone in the car, so I had to retrieve it. Moments later, I heard scream in the distance, so I ran back indoors. The next morning, after a good sleep, we still hadn't forgotten about the buck. Then, when I went to go to the porch I saw an old man. One of his eyes looked burnt and I backed away. He was on our property, so I tried to tell him. To back away. He only stood there, watching me. I ran back to the house, and I didn't see him again. A few days later nothing strange happened except for the occasional clicking, but we drove back, unharmed. Not physically, at least. I did some research and found out about skinwalkers, so I came to this sub to ask for what happened. Would anyone know? This past spring my hubby and I went to Acadia National Park in Maine. There are tons of cabins to rent surrounding the historic town. Anyway, we rented a small cabin and had our dog with us. We had been there two days with no issue. I had found a private, side road a few hundred feet from the cabin that led to some newer, nice houses. I even saw a woman putting her elementary age children in her Subaru. I felt perfectly fine on that quarter-mile track. I also chose to walk my dog down that road because the cabin was along a highway and it backed up against thick woods. The first two days I walked my dog down that road, I didn't have any issue. The third day however, I was walking in the morning and got a weird feeling. I felt like I needed to turn back so I did. My dog at that moment started to whine in a way I had never heard her whine before nor since. She looked into the woods while yipping so I decided to book it back to the cabin. There were two dirt footpaths that led to this road. I only took the one near the cabin and not the other one near the barn on the property we were staying at. I get back to the cabin and let hubby know what happened. He got this look on his face. And then he told me. The night before he had walked our dog towards the barn nearby and taken the other footpath. On the side by the trees he saw what looked like animal skulls, two empty liquor bottles, candles and other items arranged in a deliberate way on a table in the woods. He got a terrible feeling and retreated. Now my hubs is military and has been to war and seen a lot of shit. He doesn't get scared easily this really creeped him out. It further freaked us out because I realized we got the bad feeling near the barn. My dog was on edge after that and so was I. I was very happy we were on our way shortly thereafter. It also turned out that was the night of a full moon, so we believed it was possibly set up for a ritual or as an altar. Edit, added more detail about the placement of the objects. Two or three times a year we vacation in a cabin in the wilderness. Me, my wife and our three young children and two dogs. I am no stranger to the wild and have made a lot of multiple day and week solo trips in national parks and even in the Arctic Circle. Yesterday I went for a 10-mile solo hike. At the farthest point, after two hours, I heard my children arguing, playing, crying, laughing and calling me from the forest. I was totally alone and my first instinct was to run through the thick brush and trees where the sound was coming from but then I realized that it couldn't be my kids and I should just walk on and ignore it. I decided to walk back to the cabin. The whole family was there and never left. I know how my children sound and I swear it was them. Later I realized the combination of all the sounds, laughing, crying, playing, etc. Made no sense. What was this experience? What did I hear? This happened about 20 years ago when I was a junior in high school in southern Louisiana. At this time a few friends and I would go out canoeing on the weekends. One of our friends lived right next to a local river, and we would park a car at a landing several miles downstream from his property and then drive back to his house and canoe back down to the landing. It would usually take us a few hours because we would take our time take breaks to swim or stop and eat on riverbank beaches along the way on this day in particular there were four of us all males 16 to 17 years old before we got on the river this day our friend whose property was on the river remarked about a weird place he and another friend had seen on the river on a prior trip He described it as a cult compound that was set back from the river a few yards in the woods. He said he would be able to remember the little ramshackle dock that was built on the river in front of it if he saw it. In our teenage minds we thought it would be the perfect adventure for the day to try and find and explore this cult compound if we could. Only in the mind of a 16-year-old boy would it seem like a great idea to go walk around uninvited at a creepy structure in the woods. So we set off and were in our usual high spirits. It was a beautiful day and we were having a good time. After a while, our friend sees a dirt road that led away from the riverbank into the woods. He said he thinks this road would lead to the weird place. So we banked the canoes and start down this dirt road. Not too long on the road though and we began to get attacked by a swarm of horseflies. To this day it was the most horseflies I have ever encountered we decided to cancel our little trip down this road and ran as fast back to the canoes as possible. Surprisingly the horse flies didn't follow us back to the canoes and we continued down the river on our merry way. Now I wonder what would have happened if we continued walking down that road, but also regretted not taking it as a hint to stop our search for the cult compound. A little after that though that our friend sees the handmade dock that he mentioned earlier, so we decide to dock there and continue our adventure. We climbed up the bank of the river and walked into the wood line. After a few steps I could see it. In a clearing was a two-story shack built from an assortment of lumber, tarps, and billboards. It was about the time that I noticed the moat dug around it that I realized oh, a crazy person lives here, we should probably leave. But before the words could leave my mouth, we saw him walking towards us. He looked a lot like Charles Manson with his unkempt brown hair and woolly beard. He was wearing khaki shorts and an Abita beer t-shirt, and had something shiny and metallic in his hand that I thought was a knife. He said to us turn around. I thought this was a wonderful idea so we turned around to walk back to the canoes. He then said not that way and then bam! Fires a shot into some bushes next to him. I realized at that point it was a pistol he had and not a knife. He then led us to his clearing and sat us down in the dirt. I looked above us and noticed that we were sitting under a log that was being suspended by ropes and pulleys. I don't know if he could have pulled some switch and dropped the log on us or what lol. So he starts to rant and rave to us about all the people that he has shot before who have tried to steal from him. He said that he's also had his dogs attack people before and proceeded to tell dogs that we couldn't see or hear to shut up and stop barking. And I think to myself while well, I'm going to die. It was weird because I wasn't panicked and remember thinking that I was kind of lucky because most people don't get to know when and where and how they will die, but I did. I know, it's weird and I have no idea why I was thinking that or how exactly it comforted me lol. Then I remember getting a little sad that my parents may never find my body or find out what happened to me. He kept ranting, and I remember thinking that I would stay calm and compliant, but if he started shooting, tried to tie us up or tried to make us go in his shack, I would try and fight him for the gun. I would have rather gone out fighting than be tied up and face some kind of other horror. He tells us that he needs our information so he can call the police. I was really relieved at that notion and wanted to say yes call the police right now. LOL. He goes into his truck which was an old beat up Toyota Tacoma type truck and starts to look for paper and a pen. He couldn't find any paper so handed us a small piece of lumber and told us to write our names and addresses on it. Three of us wrote fake names and addresses because we didn't want this guy to know where we lived but a fourth actually wrote down his real name and address. His rants continued and he tells us that he fought in Vietnam and often the Vietnamese would sneak up and attack in groups of three and four, just like we were doing. I decided to try and make small talk with him and say so you were in the military? So he starts to tell us that his shack was actually built by the navy and transported down the river to this location. He said he was in the navy and trained marines martial arts. He regaled us with other stories and kind of switched from angry menacing rants to a happy friendly ranting. He says that he could tell that we aren't there to rob him because we don't have any buckets. He tells us that his parents always welcomed guests here and he was happy to do the same. He proceeded to tell us to stand up and walked us back to our canoes. He tells us we are always welcome to come back. And if we need a name to call this place we could call it Skull Island because his parents and the bones of several dogs were buried here. Our same friend who wrote his real name and address down says oh I'm never coming back here. We elbowed him and whispered for him to shut up and waved goodbye to our host. We then got back in the canoes and paddled in silence the whole way back. I was worried that at any point he was following us in the woods with a rifle ready to switch back to menacing mode and decide to take us out. But, thankfully we made it back to the landing and were able to drive off in peace. After the four of us had a group hug lol so the lesson is, if you don't already know it, never trespass on people's land in the woods, especially if you already know the place is supposed to be creepy lol. Looking back as I got older I feel bad for the man. He most likely had some mental health issues and was living in a place where he just wanted to be left alone. He shouldn't have had to deal with a bunch of teenage boys near his place, and may have had people try and steal from him before. I'm doubtful if he ever shot anyone before but I am definitely thankful though that it didn't end worse for us. I wrote you last winter about a strange light I saw move from about a half mile away to right in front of me in like two seconds flat in Cullman, Alabama. Well, I watch the sky often late at night and see lots of strange things but this is different. My brother, his wife, and eight-year-old daughter were in Cullman two weeks later at night. They were looking for houses to rent in the area and by the time they got on the road to go back to Birmingham it was about 10 p.m. My brother his wife and daughter swear by this story I'm about to tell you. My brother is in the army, and his wife is a former veteran. I got two frantic phone calls and a text each from them to call them ASAP. My brother said he looked over into the woods they were passing and saw green laser beam lights going in all directions, so they pulled over and turned their lights off. Within two minutes they saw four human looking figures come out of the woods. They couldn't make out their features but it scared my niece. All of a sudden they saw headlights from another car and as they watched the figures disappeared on the right and appeared on their left close to the car. My brother picked up his gun but got the hell out of there. They said it took two hours to calm my niece down. They believed it was kids until they saw them vanish and then reappear on the other side of the road. I always see things in the sky here but my brother never believed me until he and his family saw this. His wife is in denial about what she saw but I talked to her that night and she was scared. My niece was very animated about what she saw. She wouldn't go down the road it happened on with me in the daytime. I had to tell you what happened, it was too weird. Are there any other sightings you know of in this area? Thanks for everything. In October, my husband, our two babies, my brother, and I left Leavenworth, Kansas in our 1968 Volkswagen van on a camping trip to a recreational area in Arkansas called Beaver Lake. When we finally got there, we found a fairly remote campsite at the far end of the park. We wanted to be alone, as the babies woke often during the night and needed to feed, and we didn't want to disturb any other campers. Shortly after pulling into our campsite, my brother pitched his tent next to the van. The rest of us were going to sleep in the van. The campsite was in an area with a horseshoe-shaped rocky terrace ledge that rose from 50 feet to around 100 feet as it curved around behind the four campsites. Due to mature trees and thick brush, daylight had trouble poking into our spot. Fast forward to that night, sometime around 3.30 a.m., I heard some animal sounds on the ridge that I thought were being made by coyotes. The babies were asleep, and all was quiet otherwise. I peered out the window but couldn't see what was making the sounds because it was so dark. Still hearing odd yips and howls, I lay back down on the back seat. Moments later, there was a huge crashing bang on the van wall right next to my head. My husband leapt up out of a deep sleep, and my brother bolted out of his tent jumping into the van with us. We were all in a panic, to say the least, looking in every direction, trying to see what had hit the van like that. My brother finally yelled that he saw something moving behind the van. We all turned just in time to see a large shadow moving about 20 feet behind the van from left to right. After about 20 minutes had passed without any of us seeing movement out there, my husband and brother went out to inspect the van for damage but found none. We then started hearing pounding steps coming from the brush about 50 feet behind us. The guys eased back into the front seat of the van, and that's when my husband turned on the headlights and stepped on the brake pedal for the rear light. Instantly, there was a huge commotion. He started the engine, and that's when, in the glow from the headlights, we could see a hairy thing 10 feet away and coming toward the van. As it got closer, its silver-tipped hairs glistened in the light. It had a greyish streak from its shoulders down to its back and buttocks. The creature was walking on two legs and was around seven to eight feet tall, with a barrel chest and skinny legs. It never gave us a good view of its eyes, so I can't tell you what they look like. I could see that the face was not ape-like at all, it was very dog-like. Its ears had tufts of fur on top of them, and it was very human-like in its movements and general body structure. It moved smoothly and quickly around to the back of the van, following the base of the ridge away from us. That's when it let out a menacing half and a low rumbling growl like a dog. Insanely, my husband and brother bolted from the van, trying to get a better look. That's when a shower of gravel came at us. My husband and brother tore back into the van and burned up the road, just getting us out of there. I kept looking in the back window, and they looked in the rearview mirrors, but none of us ever saw it again. It just didn't seem like a Sasquatch was what we had seen. It seemed too dog-like in its face and too slim in its body. I still have PTSD-like feelings to this day just from the encounter alone. I was walking out on the Jedediah Smith Redwood State Park in the Stout Memorial Grove. It is approximately one mile in circumference. I was going to go to the left and circle around, but there were two young guys that started to walk off trail to a big tree. So, I went to the right. Fifty feet down the trail, I heard a loud roar mixed with two screams, then dead silence. I thought it was the two guys messing around, but I didn't hear any laughter after it. The hair on my arm stood up, wondering what it was. I turned around immediately to leave because it was getting late, around 8.40 or so, and the sun was starting to set. About 20 feet back down the trail, I noticed a black figure standing about 120 feet from where the two young guys were standing earlier. At first, I thought it was a bear standing up because it was roughly about 7 feet tall and backlit by the sun. The face was partially obscured by a branch, and it was too far away to smell. I took two quick pictures of it and left. I didn't realize what I had photographed until later on when I looked at them myself. In the last six months I've had dreams of humanoids with glowing red eyes, and worse. In one dream I was walking with my childhood dog and my now deceased grandfather, when we heard a strange growl and looked over to see what appeared to be a mangy rabid mountain lion. I quickly ushered my dog and grandpa inside, turning around to see the cougar on our heels. In the dream I kicked it in the face and successfully slammed the door. The dream then shifted back to what I recognized as the mountain I live on. I saw before me four dead animals with their faces removed, a cougar, a deer, a coyote, and a goat. Beyond the corpses a tall humanoid with dark hair and wearing animal skin slowly reattreated, back turned to me, mounted on a massive stag. A couple months later I was starting to act on my interest in hunting. I learned that there are public lands open to hunting around the southern peak, and so I decided to scout the area before the season opened. I found a spring on the northeastern slope where something growled at me. I was ready to believe it was an unseen cougar but my father-in-law insists there are none on the island. To make things even spookier, Alistair Crowley's AI is insisting there is a windigo on this mountain, and that the spring I found is possibly the mythological source of the Kalitz River. The next time I go up there I will have my bear spray and a very fancy knife Mr. Crowley taught me to make, but if there is a windigo up there I would rest easier knowing its name. So about 5 years ago, I had multiple dreams of a wendigo over the span of a few weeks. That all started after seeing some weird looking animal in the distant. Well in the first dream, my father a friend and I were driving on a paved road in the woods and I see a deer following us in the tree line. While we were driving at 55 miles per hour. I pointed it out nobody believed me they said I was seeing things. I wake up the next morning very uneasy with the dream. A week or so go by I have the same dream, but this time we end up at a house in the woods. W thought we lost it going down the heavily wooded windy road. We all get out of the truck. I get this feeling we are being watched I turn around and there is that deer that was following us, but something wasn't right. Its eyes were missing, and its hide was all matted. I wake up at this point a few hours after going to sleep barely able to breathe and sweating. Another week or so go by. Now the dream starts off with the deer standing on its hind leg right in front of me at least 8 feet tall. With antlers that look like they were made of tree branches. It was missing patches of flesh all over. It screamed a unnatural cry like it was someone being ripped apart. Then it started to hit me with its hoofs. The first thing I said was oh god. Then I heard a voice from nowhere that said fight back or die. I tried the best I could getting hit like 10 times for every one I landed. After hours of fighting into the dark. That's when I felt this warm light shining from within, I kept going never giving you even though I could tell it wanted to win. After fighting throughout the night until morning, that is when it finally gave up. Then stood back on all four turn away and started walking back into that wood. Suddenly it stopped looked back and told me you better keep fighting. Looked away and disappeared into the woods. I go into the house and I see the old man I have never met. He tells me that I put up a good fight out there but I look. Horrible and should go wash up. After that I woke up sore all over and extremely tired like I just had been actually fighting. I'm no stranger to odd dreams. There was one over the years, though, that was prominent and frightened me more than any other I had dreamt of, mostly because there were occasions when I wasn't sure if I was dreaming, as is normal with sleep paralysis, so maybe it was just that. It was tall, and I interpreted it as being vaguely human-like. At times, it would appear with a headdress of sorts that, as a child, I thought to be adorned with branches of a tree. Oddly enough, its mouth was seemingly sewed shut. It often had with it a companion of sorts, a being I could only recognize as an outline of shadows. The first dream was simple, it was just there with me in this black void of sorts. The second dream occurred during a bout of sleep paralysis in which it hovered over me in my bed before clutching one of my arms. I swear I felt an immense amount of pain, but I shot up in my bed awake before I could be sure. At about 8, I lied down on the couch, playing on my DS, only to glance up and see the shadow figure looming over me as if crouched down by the couch. I turned over and clenched my eyes shut in fear. I don't remember ever falling asleep. Once, as a middle schooler, I fell asleep during class and dreamt that it was there standing in the hallway while it rained inside the school building, just watching me. The last dream I had of it was when I was about 15 maybe 16. I caught a glimpse of it through my window and made a dash for my brother's room to warn him, but by the time I reached the hallway, it was there with its head peeked around the corner. I went to scream, only to find I had no voice. I turned to escape back into my room, and it jumped onto me from behind, arms wrapped around my torso almost like a hug, as it pressed its face into the side of mine. I feel like it spoke in this moment. But it's too hazy for me to be positive, and I'm not sure of what it might have said. I woke up and, thus far, at least in recollection, have never had another dream of this creature nor the shadow one. I only found out in the last two years about the creature this subreddit is about. I stumbled across a drawn photo of one in a book and had to do a double take because it looked so similar to what I had seen in my dreams. I've since learned that having dreams of these beings is bad. What does it mean? Are there creatures that by chance look similar and present themselves behavior wise in the manners described here that aren't as cruel? We live in the UK in a house, roughly 100 years of age. We are detached in a large plot. So no near neighbors. My aunt visited from Canada and stayed a night or two with us. This was about 20 years ago. One morning she said that she woke around 1 or 2 a.m. to the smell of jam tarts baking. It was so strong that she got up and went downstairs to see what was going on. Well, oven was cold and the smell evaporated once she reached the kitchen. We thought it odd, but soon forgot it. A few months later I held a charity coffee morning and a woman who had owned the house some years earlier, and still lived locally, came along. I asked if she'd like to look around as there'd been some alterations since her time there. I commented how much I liked the unusually large landing and she told me that during the war, 1939 minus 45, the house was divided into two flats to house airmen from the very many bases in the area. The huge upstairs landing had been adapted into a kitchen, presumably complete with oven where jam tarts were baked. In the war, despite rationing, I'm told that jam was generally easily obtainable. This information made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. So weird. By the way, the ant is known for being sensitive to the paranormal. I saw a woman, maybe 35 to 40, well done up, bleached hair, normal looking enough, had a face piercing that looked nice and eyelash extensions. She was standing outside of a store, looking like she had just smoked a cigarette or was on her break or something. I asked her for a cigarette, she gave one to me, then asked how my day was. I replied, not going too well. She didn't ask me at all about why or anything. She seemed to be kind of slurring or stumbling over her words. She just started complimenting me and asking if I had a lighter, I didn't. I then also noticed her teeth were kind of messed up. She kept complimenting me, telling me how pretty I was, how everyone must know how beautiful I am, and I must get that all the time, just showering me in compliments. I was being friendly and said, thanks. We have the same piercing. She just kind of fake chuckled and continued to compliment me, I was trying to steer it away from that. Not in a way like she was trying to get with me, though. It was like she saw I was having a bad day and was maybe trying to scope me out somehow? Like studying me? Then, a woman walked up to her eagerly and gave her a big hug, I assumed they must be good friends. Then she said, so happy to meet you finally. Again, it didn't seem to be a sexual encounter, more like a business interaction potentially. I don't really know. The woman who came up wasn't attractive or unattractive and looked maybe 25 or so. Immediately, she forgot about me and started walking with her. This was in downtown Portland in a relatively dangerous spot at 6.30pm. Could she have been trying to traffic me? It didn't seem like she wanted genuine conversation, and I was so confused about the interaction with the other woman because it really seemed like they were great friends but had just met is there any possibility that she wasn't a trafficker or recruiting me for prostitution somehow? I know it was definitely weird, but if anyone else has any ideas about what the heck that was, I would like to know.